Machado. Our scripture reading this morning is found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 9. Let's give careful attention to the public reading of God's Word as it's found in Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by your word, your word which is truth, and who has called us to engage in the study of that word. We pray that you would now, Holy Spirit, sweeten this word in our hearts, that together we might grow in our knowledge of you and ourselves and the world that you have made, that we might uh, enjoy more the calling that you have given to us, and that we might honor you more along the path, praying in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated, please. Well, we have made it to part four in our five-part series on Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8. Our first sermon was uh, two parts, and we looked just at verse 4, which I called the command before the command. Hear, O Israel, how God addresses us as his people, showing us who we are, no longer Jacob, uh, no longer the one who cheats, steals, supplants, but Israel, the one who wrestles with God and who prevails, that we are more than conquerors in Christ. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is the one who is close to us. Our God is the one who is transcendent over us. The Lord our God is one. He wants an exclusive relationship. He will not tolerate any idols, and he has a unity of character. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can go to the bank on God. He is utterly faithful. Well, then we looked at the command in verse 5, the, the, um, probably the, the one verse, if you can only memorize one verse in the whole Old Testament, this one is it. It's the one that when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment, he quotes, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And we talked about how that love is a covenantal love between us and our God. It's a volitional love. It has to affect how we live. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. But it's also a very emotional love. God doesn't, doesn't just want your obedience. He wants the affections of your heart. And he wants the affection of the totality of who we are, to love him with heart, 
soul and strength. Well, we have one more sermon. Um, it's also two parts. That's verses 6 through 9. And uh, this one I call the commands after the command. Because not only do we have in verse 5 the greatest commandment and a command before it, but then we have a couple of commands that come after it. And verses 6 through 9 can really be put into two categories. There are commands that have to do with internalizing the commandment. And then there are commands that have to do with externalizing it. And we're just going to look at the first one this morning. So the command after the command, the command to internalize. So as has been our case in this series, we're just kind of walking our way, kind of either word by word or phrase by phrase through this text. And so my first point is these words. Notice how verse 5, or rather verse 6 starts, it starts in the NIV, these commandments. Probably in most of your translations, it starts with these commandments. But if we were just translating the Hebrew text woodenly, it starts with these words. Now, what are these words that I give you uh, today? Well, in the most narrow sense, when, when Moses says these words... He means the preceding words, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. A little bit more broadly, he would include, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. These are the words that he's speaking of most narrowly. But in a little bit broader sense... These words refer to the, the Ten Commandments. You might th remember this text that we're looking at, 6 through 9, is called the Shema in Hebrew because the first word is Shema, Shema Yisrael, hear, O Israel. And Jews tend to name things after the first word. And since the first word of this text, which is to Jews what the Apostles' Creed is to Christians, that most foundational confession of faith, um, uh, Shema, the, these words, they're a summary Remember, Jesus said verse 5 is a summary of the whole Old Testament. And 6 through 9 is kind of a little bit bigger summary. But there's a, there's a slightly bigger summary also that is referred to. And we don't catch it quite so much. But um, what do we call those ten things that you know, Moses put on the two tablets of stone? Ten Commandments. Well, in Hebrew, they're not called the Ten Commandments. If we were to woodenly translate the Hebrew, they're called the ten words. They're called the ten words. Now, you know, like Eskimos have a lot of different words for snow because it's such a part of their lives. There are a lot of different words for commandments. The most common one is mitzvah. And um, we would expect the ten commandments to be called the ten mitzvot, the ten commandments, but they're not. In Hebrew, they're simply called the Ten Words. For example, turn back just uh, two chapters to Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 13. Deuteronomy 4:13. there Moses says that he, God, declared to you his covenant. The Ten, now in, in, the, ES, in the NIV here it says Ten Commandments in capitals. But in Hebrew it's just the Ten Words. He declared to you his covenant, the Ten words which he commanded you to follow and then wrote them down on the two tablets. 
So when Moses in, in our text says these words, which I am commanding you today, it's not just the, the word to love, which is a summary, or even the hero Israel, which is a little bit bigger summary. It's referring to the, the ten, these words, the ten words, the ten commandments. And that's kind of a little bit bigger of a summary of the Old Covenant teaching, the Old Testament teaching. Notice that uh, 4.13 says, He declared to you His covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now, you might not be able to memorize everything that there is to memorize about the Old Covenant. But if you want a summary of the Old Covenant, Ten Commandments. See, God's a master teacher. He, he gives us material on all levels. He gives us a, you, you just want the really, really quick version of it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You want a little bit more expanded version of it? The Ten Commandments. Maybe you're interested in a little bit bigger version of it. That's the whole book of Deuteronomy. Go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 1. And verse 1, and notice how the book of Deuteronomy starts. These are the words. There it is again. Now, we call the, the, uh, the book Deuteronomy. Remember, most of the names in English for our books of the Bible come from the Greek and Latin tradition, not from the Hebrew tradition. In Hebrew, the book of Deuteronomy is simply called Devarim, which means words. Jews call this book words. The whole book of Deuteronomy are the words. And so back to our text in chapter 6 and um, verse 6. When the text says these words, it brings to mind the commandment to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. It brings to mind that hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It brings to mind the Ten Commandments as a little bit bigger summary. It brings to mind the entire book of Deuteronomy. And so what Moses is getting us ready to hear the command after the command, but he wants to remind us as to what it is. These words that I'm giving you today, the book of Deuteronomy, but I realize that might be a little bit much for you to chew on. So maybe if you can't like if you can't take the whole thing how about the Ten Commandments? Okay, maybe you're in a hurry and you can't even get the Ten Commandments today. How about the Lord our God? The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Master teacher, God communicates with all of us wherever we are uh, at the time. Uh, he gives us the material in a way that, you know, the, the Ph.D. can get it in a way that the person with a college degree can get it, in a way that the person who is in ninth grade can get it, in a way that the person who is in middle school can get it, in a way that the person who is uh, uh, in elementary school can get it. By the way, my father who passed away a, a few months ago, and this must be like visit mom time of the year, because Adele and I are both leaving Thursday night to visit our mothers. It's, it's nice that they both live in the same area, uh, Pittsburgh and Erie. So we'll fly to Pittsburgh. She'll drop me off at my mother's. I'll spend the week visiting with my mother. She'll, a weekend, she'll drive up to Erie, spend the weekend with her mother. Uh, both of our fathers have passed away. So it must just be 
that time. First time I will have visited my mother since my uh, father passed away. In a lot of ways, my mother's been doing better than the kids have been doing, but you go, go figure. Now, where was I? I got, I got off the track here. Um, Oh, yeah, my father. My father was a cabinet maker. My father was not college educated. Um, my parents, parents were all immigrants. My parents were first American born. Uh, nobody from that generation went to college. My generation was the first generation uh, to go to college. But speaking of this, you know, teaching at different levels, my dad, the cabinet maker, always said, Mark, if you preach to like the sixth graders, most of the adults will probably get it as well. And so I've always tried to follow my dad's advice uh, and, and I think God's example in trying to communicate in a way that everybody uh, gets something to eat. And so these words refer narrowly, more broadly, more broadly. And notice what he says about these words. These words that I am commanding you today. The NIV softens that a little bit. It softens it with the word give. That I am giving you today, uh, we could translate it these words which I am commanding you today. Now, with regard to the commandments, there's, oh, I don't want to say debate, but there's debate. There are differing opinions on keeping the commandments as Christians. And I, I tend to find that. Sometimes we latch on to part of the truth and make it all of the truth. You know, sometimes error is not wrong. Error is truth that has been separated from other truths. Is it erroneous to say that Jesus is human? No. But if you don't also say that Jesus is God, then to say Jesus is human, while true, if in the context of his deity is false if you separate it from the fact that he's also God. So I just want to say two things about this point that Moses is making when he says these words which I am commanding you today. The first thing I want to say is obligation is not a four-letter word. And sometimes in our broader uh, Presbyterian, PCA circles, sometimes you get the impression that people think that a pastor ought never use the word obligation or duty, like duty is swearing, because after all, we're saved by what? Starts with a G. We're saved by grace. And therefore, we don't really want to speak about obligation or duty. That's law. That's too heavy. That's legalism. But notice, Moses doesn't hesitate to say these commandments, which I am commanding you today. Uh, Look at chapter 6, verse 1. These are the commandments, decrees, and laws. Piling up of terms to make the point. Look at um, verse 2. So that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all these decrees and commandments. Uh, Verse 3. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, that it may go well with you and that you may increase. Yes, we are saved by grace. Please, if if, if you forget everything that I say, remember this. Saved by grace. Not what my hands have done. Uh, I must admit I had a moment uh, driving 
um, down or up? Down. Down 95. I was listening to the old music of James Ward, if any of you know that name. And I was listening to his version of um, Rock of Ages. And when I came to that last verse, um, fleeting breath, when my eyelids close in death, and for whatever reason, I wasn't there, but I could just picture my father taking his very last breath, closing his eyes for the very last time. I lost it for about the next 15 minutes. You know, but rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. We have no refuge save God. Uh, Nothing can we offer to atone for our sins against His holiness. But as we'll celebrate, Christ has made the chief offering in our place. We're saved by grace. And by grace alone. And what we do doesn't contribute anything at all to our justification. And God expects us to keep the commandments. Unless we think that this is just an idea from Deuteronomy. Remember one of the last things Jesus said in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples and teach them to do everything that I have commanded you. Obligation is not a four-letter word. It is our duty. But if you read Psalm 119, that psalm that celebrates the law of God, that real long one, our duties, our delight. Because it's one concrete way by which we can say to God, thank you. Have you ever been in that situation where somebody's just done something for you and you just, you just don't quite know how to say thanks in a way that is appropriate, that really expresses your gratitude? God says, keep my commandments. It's your delight. It's your gratitude. It's a duty. Not a burden. Read that long Psalm 119. No, it's not a burden to read the whole thing. You'll never find any half verse that speaks of the commandments as a burden. Only as our love and our delight. I I run through life with freedom because I keep your commands. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, it's, our, it's our delight. Obligation is not a four-letter word. On the other hand, relevance is not a four-letter word. There's another segment in our broader community that thinks that if you try to apply the text in any specific way, that you're somehow violating the meaning of the text. All you need to do is tell people uh, the general story of who Jesus is and what he, and leave the rest to the Holy Spirit. Let's not worry about being relevant. Let's not think about whether our worship is relevant to the broader community. Let's just be faithful. We ought not, let's just be faithful to our duty, our obligation to keep the commandments and not worry about relevance. Well, notice how in those first three verses, Moses was interested in relevance. He says in, in verse 6, 1, that um, these are the law, commands, decrees, laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land. See, they're not in the land yet. 
Have you ever wondered why we have Exodus and Deuteronomy and they're both so similar? Well, Exodus was God's commandments for the people when they were living in the wilderness. But now when they're moving from the wilderness into the promised land, things are going to be a little bit different. And so Deuteronomy is the commands of God for that different environment for life in the land rather than life back in the wilderness. And so if the book of Deuteronomy is anything, it's taking the revelation that God gave on Mount Sinai for ancient Israel in the wilderness and it's making it, what's the R word? It's making it relevant for where they are in their lives in the promised land. Well, guess where you're not? You're neither in the wilderness nor in the promised land. You're in Vero Beach in a very modern world. And just like Moses took the words from Exodus and made them relevant for the promised land, it's preachers and teachers who have the responsibility of taking that word and making making it relevant to us in our world, in our day and age. And as you reflect on the Scriptures in your own personal devotions... You're always wanting to ask the question, how is this relevant for my life? Ask the question, so what? What difference does it make? Uh, and so, you see, while, while some might want to say, no obligation, let's be relevant, and others want to say, let's talk about duty and not relevance, what God has joined together, let Presbyterians not separate. Notice it says, which I am commanding you today. Which I am commanding you, obligation, today. Relevance. We've got to make it relevant for today. So my first point, these words. My second point, which I am commanding you. My third point, and this is really where we're driving, shall be on your heart. These commandments that I am commanding you today shall be on your hearts. And here I want to talk about two things. uh, The ideal and the reality. Let's talk about the ideal. Or we could call the ideal the old covenant requirement. What's it mean when it says these commandments shall be on your heart? It means two things. I think it starts with memorize them. When God says these commandments that I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, the first thing you have to do is you've got to memorize them. That's kind of relevant. That's something like you can take home with you this afternoon and do. You can... Great place to start. If you just want a little small one, Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Maybe you might just set a goal right now in your own heart that by the time you come back to church next Sunday, that uh, you'll have that one verse memorized. That's part of shall be on your heart. Memorize them. Now, this expression, the Hebrew expression that's underlying shall be on your heart, it occurs nowhere else in the whole Bible. It's a unique expression. But there are some related expressions, and we won't take time to look at these closely, but you might jot them down so that you could look them up later. There's an expression in Jeremiah 51.50, and I'm just going to give you wooden translations. Go up on the heart. 
go up on the heart, Jeremiah 51.50. Isaiah 57.11, set on the heart. Set on the heart, Isaiah 57.11. Isaiah 46.8, return on the heart. Return on the heart, Isaiah 46.8. And if you look at all of these close but different expressions, they all have in view in one way or another, the memorization of the Scriptures. And this is absolutely the necessary meaning from the context that we're looking at. You've got to think of yourself as an ancient now. How are you going to talk about the commandments when you sit at home? Guess what you couldn't do as an ancient? You couldn't open up a Bible. You didn't have one. Uh, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, the only way you could do that commandment is if you've already done what? As if you already memorized the Scriptures because they, they were so unlike us. Stop and think for a moment as to how many Bibles you have at home. All the different translations. Uh, and then I, I'm guessing that some of you might have an iPad here or a Nook or a Kindle. You've got to you know, do justice to all these different tablets. Or your smartphone. Um, I have a Hebrew Bible on my smartphone. I have a King James. I have an ESV. I have access on my smartphone to about a dozen other translations. I mean, they, they had nothing like that. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and the devil tempted him three times to go the wrong path? He said the same thing every time. He started by saying, it is, it is written, it is written, it is written. He did not pull out his smartphone. But he did quote the book of Deuteronomy every time. Which means he must have what? He must have had it memorized. Must have had it memorized. And so the memorization of Scripture. If there's one thing I think that I miss more than any other in being in the pastorate, it's the memorization of Scripture. Um, I, was in a, I pastored a traditional Presbyterian church. We had a morning and an evening service. I taught Sunday school and we had a midweek Bible study. That's like old school. And I, I taught four times, which meant, I, and I taught from particular texts. And if you study a text for a whole week in getting ready to teach on it, by the time you're done, now, okay, maybe I would have missed a few words here and there. That's okay. Nobody's grading you. But you just, it's really one thing that I miss about being a pastor is how much I would just naturally memorize. Uh, the scriptures. Has has Dr. Walke ever preached here? No. Wonderful man. Perhaps you know the name. Um, a man that I look up to as one of my mentors. Somebody who's probably, okay, in my estimation, one of the maybe two or three leading evangelical Old Testament scholars in the world today. He did some study in Israel. And while he was there, they lived in an apartment complex. And there was a, an atheist Jew who was living with 
him down the hall. And so Bruce and this uh, Jewish fellow would get together to read the book of Psalms, help Bruce practice his Hebrew. And they'd be on Psalm 5, and Bruce would forget a word, and this fellow would say, Bruce, you should know that word. We saw it back in Psalm 3. And then he'd see it again in, uh, you know, something else in Psalm 8. Bruce, you should know that word. We saw it back in Psalm 5. They're down in Psalm 10. Bruce, you should know that word. We... And Bruce stopped this guy and he said, I think you have the whole book of Psalms memorized. He said, I do. And the whole book of, De- uh, the whole Torah, five books of Moses, he had it all memorized. That seems strange to us, but for many non, non-literate cultures, memorization of large blocks, technology is so wonderful. I love it. There's no turning back. There's a downside. You know, because we can... Because we can open a smartphone and click that little search icon to find the text, we don't need to know where it is, except when our battery runs out. Memorization. The way in which you have the commandments on your heart is memorization. But obviously, not, God's not just interested in how much we memorize. Because the ideal is not only that we memorize them, but that we live them. Like Jesus did. They govern our lives, every aspect of our lives, which is the next sermon, the externalization of the commandments. Because these words that are, are written on the tablets, Deuteronomy 4.13 that we've already looked at, remember, the ten words were written on tablets. And we often think, Ah, here's how I understand the difference between the Old Testament and the New. In the Old Testament, the commandments were written on tablets of stone. In the New Testament, they're written on the heart. I'll bet you've heard that kind of thing. It doesn't work. The ideal is that in the Old Covenant, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on tablets of stone. No, what's it say? These words which I am commanding you today are to be on your... See, the ideal in the Old Covenant is the same as in the New Covenant. The ideal is that the commandments are internalized, that they become part of us. That's not just true for New Covenant believers. Proverbs 3.3, Proverbs 7.3. Write these words on your hearts. So the, the contrast between Old and New, there is one. But it's not that in the old they were external and in the new they're internal. The ideal through all the ages for all of God's people is that His Word is internalized. It's on the heart. It's obeyed not because we have to. Trust me, it's better to obey God for the wrong reason than not to obey God. If you only obey out of duty, that's better than disobeying. Yes or yes. But God doesn't simply want you to obey Him out of duty because He wants the commands to be on your heart. He wants you to obey Him from deep within, from love. Deuteronomy says in numerous places, Love me and keep my commandments. Which is why Jesus said numerous times, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Where did Jesus get that idea? He didn't invent it. He had memorized what book? 
he had memorized the book of Deuteronomy, so it just came to him so easily. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, because that's what my father has been saying all along. And that's what goes along with what we had seen already earlier, that God wants us to love him covenantally, volitionally, but also emotionally. He wants the affections of our hearts to reciprocate for the fact that he has great affection for you. So that's the ideal in the Old Covenant. What's the reality? The reality is that it's the New Covenant that brings this ideal into reality. Jeremiah chapter 31. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with you, and I will write the words on your heart. Hebrews 8.10. Hebrews 10.16. The new covenant, I will write it on your heart. Now there's the difference. It's not that in the old they were just external and in the new they're internal. The old said, you write it on your heart. The new says, I will write it on your heart. My wife and I were talking about this yesterday. She was telling me about her civics teacher. And how she, okay, how, when she, okay, forgive her, she's in middle school, but she said, I hope he dies before I get to eighth grade because I don't want him for my civics teacher. He's mean. But you know, she memorized, she, she learned a lot from him. And she was, she told me something that she always has remembered from his civics class. You have those experiences, right? Why do you remember some stuff you don't have to even think about memorizing it? You hear it once. I may have told you this before, but years ago when I was a pastor between D.C. and Baltimore, after Sunday night church, there was a woman in the congregation said, Mark, can I summarize your whole sermon for you? I said, sure. She said, here's your whole sermon. Do this and live, the law demands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. A new command the gospel brings, it bids me fly and gives me wings. She said it to me once. I never worked on memorizing it. It just... Sometimes those things just make such a deep impression on you. But that little ditty is so theologically profound. Romans chapter 8, verses 3 through 4. There Paul says, For what the law was powerless, what the old covenant was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. What was the Old Covenant powerless to do? Well, number one, it was powerless to give you the power to keep the commandments. The Old Covenant can say keep the commandments, but it can't give you the power to keep the commandments. And it's also powerless to forgive you. It's a just system. It can't forgive you when you break them. What the Old Covenant was powerless to do, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. What the Old Covenant requires, God has done for you in the Gospel. Uh, He condemns sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Not only our justification, but our sanctification, because it's us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. You see, do this, obey, and live. The law demands. 
but gives me neither feet nor hands. Tells you what you have to do, but it doesn't give you the power to do it. A new command the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. Through who Jesus is and what He has done, lived a perfect life of righteousness in your place, died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, was raised for your justification, ascended to the Father's right hand where He sits now praying for you to make it all the way home, who's coming again in power and glory to bring about a new heavens and a new earth because of who Jesus is and because of what He has done. You have the power to carry out the delight of your heart and that is to live in keeping with the commands. But we don't always do it. You know that hymn, sometimes, which is it, often tried and sometimes failing? The reason why I always get it confused is because I think it's at times the reverse in my life. Sometimes tried and often failing. He, my strength, the victory You have all the power to walk in the commandments of God. And you have all of the forgiveness for all of the times when you don't. No wonder that other hymn says, Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would, in your grace, by your Holy Spirit, because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us, write these words on our hearts that we might delight in keeping your commandments and that we might run to you quickly for the forgiveness of our sins when we do not. For our good, for the good of those to whom we minister, for your glory now and forever. Praying in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.